you are too scared to call that person, text them and just speak your heart. I'm deeply hurt over what I said about you. Sometimes this texting some of the greatest remedies. I don't like writing a letter. One thing about it, when you write a text, you can't say nothing back. <laughs> you got the upper hand to talk. I always told people to write them a letter. If you can't say nothing to your mother right now, it's a little too heated, text her, write her a letter, send her a card. Mother, I'm sorry we didn't get along. We can't do this. I want to speak my heart. All they can do is delete or tear it up and put it in the garbage can. But you free yourself. Anybody you hurt, what gives you a good conscience, even if you did it, is to say, I'm sorry. The minute you say that, if they don't receive it, God release it off you and it's on them. This gives you a good conscience when you repent of your wrong. Now, it's not good to try to blame somebody when you know you to blame. So repentance comes when you know you to blame. That's very powerful what I said. And a lot of you all can't sleep. You don't have no good conscience. Once you cleared up with that person, even in your church, now you can walk up and speak to them. Hey, how you doing? Oh, God, I'm living with me now. I got it out of me. I repented. No, no, no. Here's what church folks, I told the Lord. <laughs> I told God I'm sorry. All the Bible doesn't teach that. It said you go to your brother. If you offended your brother, you go to your brother. You wrong your brother, you go to your brother. As well as the God for forgiveness, but go clear it up with your brother. That's what we don't want. We don't want to talk to God because we don't want to confess to them. You've confessed your fault one to another. You confess your sin to God. You don't have to confess your sin to them. You confess your sin to God, God forgive me. But you go to them and confess your fault. I'm sorry I wronged you. I did the wrong thing. I was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Is that helping you to have a good conscience? There's nothing like to me a good conscience of feeling good. Have you ever thought about this? When you really feel good when you paid your bills, don't you? Now, some people like to walk around with all the rent money in their pocket. And that's not a good conscience because you're going to soon get evicted. Oh, you have it in your pocket, showing it off, but that's rent money. I feel good if I had some money and I paid my bills and paid my debt. I feel like, whew, at least my bill paid. I don't have but a few dollars in my pocket left, but I paid my bills. See, that's what you call a good conscience. I'm going somewhere. When you paid your tithe, I know, oh God, that preacher talk about, all preachers talk about money. I had a church one time say, I don't like coming to church because all you talking about is money. Then when there's no money to pay the bills, all you talking about is money. Both of us ain't talking about nothing but money. You talking about the preacher, all he talking about is money. And then when the lights cut off, you out there hollering about there ain't no money. Then all you talking about is money. We don't have any. That's all you're talking about. Both of y'all are talking about money. Stop this game playing the church. Listen, you know 
as well as I'm sitting here, when you get mad at us about asking for money, you know a church is a business. I don't care if your house is a business. You can sit around there and lie around there and on the den and watch TV all you want to. Don't pay those light bills and see if you're going to be looking at a TV that's blank. This business, this ain't no fun time. We can come to church and have fun all you want, but you know that church is not going to survive if you don't put your tithe and offering in there. So quit the game plan. That's why God asked you to give a tenth of your earning to him so that his house will be taken care of and you paying your bills so you, you can be taken care of and the government is taxing you so the government can be taken care of. Now you're going to pay taxes so you can have a police service, people and all this service, and you're going to pay all your bills so you can have service and you think the church ought to run on just the Holy Ghost and hallelujah and praise God. Common sense is going to tell you this building that I have to pay for, the utilities and everybody and our employees is a business. You may not have but a few members and a little old wooden church, but it's still business. Somebody paying for a bill. Somebody paying somebody to clean up. Business. We don't like business. And it's a good conscience when you have given your tithe to God. I rest well when I know I paid my tithe, just like I feel good when I paid my bills. How shameful it is that we as church people don't want to treat God right, but want him to bless us. What a word. It's not the pastor's fault. I'm all he's talking about is money. And then when you don't have any, all you talking about is money. And it's nobody not coming to the church. It ain't the pastor's fault. It's your fault. Jesus said, go compel them to come in. All of our job is to go witness and bring them in. Are you witnessing? Are you inviting people that you don't, neighbors in your hood, neighbors around you, are you inviting them to your church? Have you tried to say good things about your church? The choir, you ought to hear our choir, you ought to come here. Have you bragged on your church? Have you done anything? Well, I told them they don't want to come. Well, fine, there's some more out there. Be, you know, you bring them in. And you talk up your ministry. God is good all the time. And all the time, on all the time, nobody talking to me. God is good. Something else we have here is that um, don't expect more from others than what they can give. Now that, that ought to help you to live with you and live with other people. Is don't expect people to give you more than what they can give. Sometimes we ask for too much from people. Number one, we ask for people to be so much better than we are and they can't be. I think I touched on that earlier. I don't expect nobody to give what they don't have in our church. This really need to help you to live with you. Some members get very embarrassed in church because they don't have it to give and others are giving. You can't live with you if you walk around like that. You can't 
get upset because you don't have what you don't have. You got to be grateful that you have what you have and what little you gave is what you gave. And you got to be satisfied with yourself that knowing what I gave is from my heart, it was all I could give. God understands. Don't get offended if the pastor's talking about some of you all that didn't give nothing. That's not you if you know you gave what you could and, and you don't have anything. I'm very much conscious of that. I uh, recall a time when I was in school when the teacher was going off on me about something in front of the whole class and going off on me in class and I was having my head down embarrassed. And then out the church, well, out the, the class, he invited me for a cup of coffee. I said, wait a minute, man, you just went off on me about my homework and I didn't do this in front of the whole class. Now you come talking about, come on, Fleming, let's go here and have some coffee. I started to say, coffee and nothing. <laughs> you know, we went and sat down, went to drinking coffee and eating lunch. He didn't bring that up at all. I thought he was my enemy. No, he was doing his job. He was paid to teach. He couldn't show favors to me in front of all of the class when I failed. He had to get on me like everybody else. He had to write me up like everybody else. But he wasn't my enemy. He was doing his job. I seen lawyers look like they were about to go at each other's throat in court. As soon as the court over, they'd be down at the bar standing there laughing and drinking and talking. <laughs> and they'd be confused. Wait a minute. Why are they talking? I used to love wrestling when I was young. I'm not talking against it. It's fun. It's, it's entertaining. And, and it's good to be entertained. They laughed at all. Some things I don't like I see now. But it's still a sport, and it's a lot of entertainment. But what bothered me when I was young, so in the restaurant, man, I, it always disturbed me. They came out the same door <laughs> while they were fighting. They went back in the same door. Now, you know, whereas I am, wait a minute. If you all fighting each other all out here in front, how you all going to go in the same door when you went back in the dressing room? I would think now normal way is I go in another door and you better not come through my door. Well, they were performing, doing their normal thing, and they went back through the same door because that's a profession. I couldn't grasp it. It didn't make sense. When they out there fighting, fighting, and fighting, and then all of y'all going to go in the same door? <laughs> it's what it is. Boxing a little different, but it's still professional. They suppose shake hand after the match because they're professional. This is not a fight. They're fighting, but they're not. It's not a fight, if you know what I mean. It's not a fight. It's a fight, but it's not a fight. They're fighting professionally, boxing for money. They're not enemies. They probably call each other out with bloody nose. Hey man, you did a good one on me. You did good. <laughs> That's the way it is. Same with when profession is a profession. And all the time, some people are not your enemies. They may talk like they're your enemy, not your enemies. So I had to accept this was the man's job. Don't expect more than what he could give. He had to do what he had to do to make me know that this is business. You pay me 
for these studies. Amen. So everybody, when they're talking, not talking to you. Everybody, when talking about you're not giving, not talking to you. Only you know they're not talking to you because you know in your heart you gave. And that's all is expected. Don't feel bad. You got to learn how to be happy with you when you can't do no better. Oh, boy, this message here ought to go viral. Somebody ought to make it because I'm really dropping some powerful revelation. I didn't know God had given me so much until now. That's really going to help people live with themselves. All right, let's go to something else. Find some time to be around people you love. This helps you live with you. You can't live in the world alone. You can't live alone. You live alone, you'll die alone. Everybody, God created us to be with people. And you know God recognized that after he made man. Now God made man to be with man. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. But God wasn't exactly man's kind. He was his God, but not his mate. And, oh, that's a great message just came to me. Woo! I need to preach that some marriage ministry preachers. I know some pastors got that in running. One preacher said, Fleming, when I hear you, I get five sermons. Well, there's a difference when it comes to mate. There's your God, but not your, there, there your mate, but not your God. God was Adam's maker, but he was not Adam's mate. That is so powerful. If I had time, I would tear that up if I was preaching on marriage. Some people, you're trying to make your God, is not your God, they're your mate. And some people is your mate, but not your maid. Powerful. What God just came, out of, what came out of my mouth from God a minute ago. And that's something to really think about when I'm just thinking about it now, how many times we don't know that. And God made Adam, but he couldn't be Adam's mate. He walked with him at the cooler day, but God saw Adam was lonely, though they were connecting. And he made him a mate. And that mate is his mate, not his God. That's why God got, got mad with Adam. He didn't come asking for his mate. He said, Adam, why thou? He didn't even say, where are you all? Or where are y'all? <laughs> he didn't ask for the plural. He asked for the singer. Adam, where art thou? I made you for me and I made her for you. You mean you have turned on me for her? I'm your God. I just gave her as your mate. You, and so the reason God gave Adam Eve was for him to socialize with somebody on his level, not just God. That What Adam said, bones of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He couldn't say that when it comes to God. God was not flesh and bone. So God made him bones of his bone, flesh of his flesh, so he can be around somebody. He needed company. You, listen to me. You need to be around some people you love. And they help you relax and live with you. You can't live alone. You won't be happy with you. God made us. Sociology has some truth in it. 
all religions have some truth in them. Not all religions are true, but all religions have some truth in them. And one of the things we got to give sociology, we are connected with each other. We really define each other by around each other. You define who you are about who you're hanging around. In fact, who you hang around becomes who you are, whether you know it or not. People affect each other. It, it, we connect whether we like it. We like being around people. Most folk who don't like being around people are mad about something because people don't accept them and the people have heard something about them and they get mad and put it in on that. But you did something to drive them away. But people who really happy around people are relaxed and they live better. They're comfortable. They like connecting. And you need to be around some people you love. You just, why do church people go to church? You come around people of your kind. They talk your church talk. When I was working on job, I didn't like being around some of the people I worked around. Why? They couldn't talk preachers talk. They were good people, but I wasn't comfortable around them. They didn't talk my language. I want to talk about a great sermon, a great preaching, you know. They didn't have, they couldn't talk about that. So when I growing up as a boy preacher, I didn't fit in so well in high school and in my junior high school with my friends because I wanted to talk about church, and they didn't want to talk about no church. So I ended up being around older people, start talking old, sounding old when I was young, because they talked about what I talked about. They were them y'all people, young people, I was coming around in my 15, 16 years old. They weren't talking about clubbing and the games and things. They didn't want to hear nothing about no church, and I wanted to hear about how was church Sunday. Looked at me crazy. Church, I wasn't even there. So I had to end up around people to talk my language, then I could connect. Oh boy, church was powerful yesterday. Talk that around sinners, they look at you crazy. Really? <laughs> They're not your kind. You do need to be around your kind. They connect. You need to go to church. That's the purpose of going. So you're around the people talking the language you like. You need, as I just said, you need to spend time being around people you love, your grandchildren, your family. That's helping you to live with you. They, they are part of you. That's your blood, whether you know it or not. So find some time to be around people you love and find some time for yourself. Is helping you to live with you. You always busy trying to please other people, but have you done anything to please you? You got to find some time for you. Have you ever taken your own self out? You ain't doing nothing wrong. Just taking yourself out, taking a break, just being alone, and then go around people. You need some time around people. You need some time for you. You do need to take a day off for just you that you're going to lie around the house where would you want and, and act as crazy as you want and look as crazy as you want. <laughs> if you don't fix your hair, don't comb your hair, don't brush your teeth and you're in the house, that's your day off to do what you want. Nobody's business. It's your day. You need some time for you so you learn how to live with you because you're so busy trying to please the boss, trying to please everybody else. You haven't done anything to please you. You need that moment when you can do something for you, buy something for you, wear something for you. 
play something for you. Watch something on TV for you. What you like watching. How would other folk like it? And if they're in your way, then you spend that time when they're gone. Or go somewhere and get you a TV of your own in another little room. Find some time. I want to close with this. This is powerful. Well, there's a couple of more, but I'm going to skip some of this. Never talk about your friend to others. Don't. Your friend is your friend. Protect that friendship. I know it's hard when you get mad with your friends. You may talk about what they did to somebody else, but trust me, I've learned this the hard way through many, many years of talking to people and learning it myself. Just don't talk about your friend and whatever you're mad about to other people. You know why? You're going to need your friend. And your friend, listen to what I'm saying, your friend, let me take my glasses off and look you in the face. That's your friend, and your friend is for you. Not others. You trying to learn how to live with you. And that's your friend. That may not be somebody's friend you talking to about your friend. And they don't have nothing to do with you and your friend. And whatever is between you and your friend, you keep that between you and your friend. Because when you talk about somebody that's truly your friend, you finna lose what comfort you. I'm telling you about how to live with you. Those people you're talking about won't be there. That friend been there. That friend will be there. Why would you don't want to put your friend down to people who's not your friend or their friend? I would be very careful about talking about something you don't like to another person that's never been close to you. Your friend understand you. Your friend has forgiven you. And your friend know your secrets. And your friend know who you really are that others don't know. You know that. And they know you better than anybody else. You haven't trusted them. And if they've gone through all the things they've gone with, what they know about you, your secrets and everything else, and they love you regardless, you don't risk that type of friendship. Talking about them to other people. Why? You're going to need a true friend. True friend. A true friend won't turn on you. A true friend will suffer with you. And everybody, most people, got a true friend. Sometimes we don't have sense enough to know they're a true friend. And hard times will test them. When you go through some hard times, that friendship will be tested. You'll find out if they're true, if they're willing to suffer with you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That just gave me a revelation why Jesus asked the disciples to suffer with him. Eat this body and drink this wine. That's what communion is. Communion is more than just remembering Jesus. Are you partakers of his suffering? I mean, can you take 
the pain. Jesus will say, I want you to feel what I'm about to go through. I just want you to know. So are you a true friend? Are you with me? Are you with me? Because that's what a true friend is. Now, I really can say the most trusted friend Jesus had when he was going through his cavalry experience was his mother. Though you didn't see her at the Lord's Supper, you didn't see her no other time other than at his wedding, but she was there to the end. I'm talking about she didn't run, she didn't hide. She was standing there at that cross when the others had run. That's when you know you got a real true friend. She loved him regardless. That's when you got to be careful how you treat your mother. So I want to caution you, that friend is for you, and this going to help you live you with you. Now let me say something else, and it's going to hit home, and then we get, get out of here. Keep your feelings to yourself, because one day you'll be glad you did. <laughs> it's funny, and it's true. Some things when you've got to live with you and you got feelings that you go through, it's best to keep it to yourself. You can't always tell everybody about your feelings. You know why? Because feelings are just feelings. God made all of us with feelings. And some feelings you may have not very good feelings. They're just feelings, but you don't have to yield to your feelings. You just may have some feeling. It's going to help a whole lot of folk that dealing with some very personal issues that you don't have to let your feelings out because you have feelings. You can't control your feelings. And you're going to have to learn to control your feelings. And you have to use your mind and not just your feelings. You have to use the mind God gave you, the sense God gave you that you can't always go by your feelings. Remember one time a man, I asked a doctor friend of mine, I said, do you tithe? And he said, no, I don't tithe. I said, why? He said, because I believe in giving however way I feel. I said, so you, you, you pay church money in the church by the way you feel. Yeah, if I feel like giving $100, I give $100. If I feel like giving $1,000, I give $1,000. I asked him, I said, how much is my bill today? He said, $290. I said, I'm going to give you $20. He said, $20? That's not your invoice. I said, that's what I feel like giving you. <laughs> oh, he didn't want to hear that. He didn't want to hear nothing about no feeling then. He wanted his money. Now, you don't give in church by the way you feel. You got to give regardless of the way you feel. You don't pay your light bills by the way you feel, I hope, or you won't have them. You won't have them. You can't go by just your feelings. So look, look, look at me. Everybody go through some personal feelings. And sometimes we have some crazy feelings, and we'll be ashamed to tell it. But you're going to have to learn how to keep your feelings to yourself if you want to live with yourself, because one day you're going to be glad you did keep it to yourself when you find out how people turn on people when they know how they feel. This might really help you. 
And we also remember everybody has something about them that they don't like. Oh, this is all I want to talk about, closing with that. Learning how to live with you. Everybody has something about them they don't like. I don't know what it is about you you don't like. You probably don't have control of your mouth. You don't like it. That's your weakness. You may have no control of your thinking, and that's normal. Sometimes we can't help what we think. You can't help that. And you don't like it. There's a lot of things about me I don't like. There's, uh, there's a lot of things about other people you don't like. And I want to say something about this when it comes to racism too as well between whites and blacks, and I always said this, and it's gonna help a lot of my brothers and sisters, the Caucasian as well. You can dislike me for my action, but don't dislike me for what I can't help. I can't help it because I'm black. I can't help it because my hair is curly and kinky. I can't help it because my features are different from yours. You don't hate me for that. But if you hate me because I broke in your house or stole something, you got a reason. That's justifying your feeling, I'm sure. You can hate me if I don't want to do nothing for myself and I'm sitting on my stool of do nothing. However, you got to look deeper at that. So, well, I don't like black people because they're lazy and they're ignorant. You got to study that. It's not always. A person's fault. You can't cripple a man and then wonder why he walks with a crutch. Out of slavery, the worst thing that even well, Abraham Lincoln didn't live to fulfill his dreams. Slaves were money. And that's what black people need to understand before we get mad about slavery. We were commodity, we were money. It was, we, were, we, we brought in money for the South, and that's what caused the Civil War. You cut the money when you took, let the slaves go free. And people wanted income. That was income then. So when you understand the true meaning of slavery, you understand it was behind fear that I'm losing my house and losing thing, everything I get, have as a result of you going free. We got to grasp that to understand slavery and don't hold its bitterness against whites. The danger in that today is if they didn't have a plan for the slaves when they set them free. This is Black History Month. When they set them free, they should have made it mandatory that every slave go to school for free. Ignorance is a dangerous thing. They were taken from their homeland and their culture and what they believed, and it was, this country was ignorant to them. They didn't know the language. They didn't know what they were eating. They were robbed of their identity. They were kings and queens in their country. When they brought here, they lost their identity. And when we think about what really happened to us and got free, nobody made a move to prepare us to live on our own. They just threw them out there. And they were unlearned, uneducated, wasn't, had no skills. Didn't, they were promised 40 acres and a mule and they never got it. But all these things, when a, and the person ended up being crippled, 
can't read, can't write. Now you got a lot of ignorance out there and you got a lot of people who like grew up in a family it's almost like a curse. Mama didn't know nothing, grandmama didn't know nothing, now children know nothing. Born in poverty, ignorant, can't go to school, no money. So I join a gang, I'm robbing and I'm stealing to get some money because I don't have any. And we don't want to see that and look into that deeply before black lives can even matter, even matter. We got to study black lives to understand why they're saying black lives matter. What happened to these young black people? Why are they stealing and killing on each other? It's just, it's ignorance, it's no education, it's, it's anger, mad, bitter. Why am I broke? Why can't get a job? And, feed myself. Why I can't go to school and I'm in the ghetto, I need somebody to help me. We got to train these young people out of this and reach out and help them and give them a chance to try to be something. But the black man needs help and he still needs help. He needs a chance but he needs training. He needs to, an opportunity, a door open. Everybody is not evil. Some people became evil. And most time I say it to it like this, whether we like to accept it or not, there's some truth in it. ISIL became what it is because when we bombed Iraq, we didn't have no plan to help rebuild that city and feed those hungry soldiers who came back from war and they became part of ISIL. That happened in World War II. We bombed Germany and got rid of Hitler, but people have no idea how many people, German and people died when they had no building and no food and nothing to eat. We just left them hanging there. You go tear up a place, you gotta go back and build it up because some of those people were only fighting because they had to fight. They were forced to fight. And we got to see the whole picture when you create an enemy, when you overlook helping people. And we got to remember this. People need a chance to live. And we already know that a lot of the people that suicide bombing are doing this, some of them, they'll go kill themselves, kill you, so their family can get rewarded because of the poverty. And they want, if I die for my mom and brother and sister to have some food or a nice home, I do it. That's what they're being promised, the one to commit suicide. We don't look at that deeply. And that's the answer to racism. Look deeper at the cause of the problem, not just the problem. My daddy used to say, you can't get rid of ants stepping on them trying to stump them out, you try to stump them out, they get on you. If you want to get rid of ants out of your house, move what they're eating. And I pray that even under this leadership, a lot of us don't understand and I don't understand, but I say give people a chance and see what happens. But I just pray that under this leadership, that I, people consider the cause of the problem and try to get the problem solved by helping people in need hear their cry. Not treat the symptom, but treat 
the cause. These young blacks are the way they are. A lot of time because of no opportunity and nobody wants to help people. So remember what I said. You can't cripple a man and then get mad at him because he's walking with a cane. Whoa, powerful words. So hate me for other things, but don't hate me for what I can't do nothing about. Learn to love you, learn to get along with you, and let's learn to give everybody a chance. Words from a senior pastor. My message today was learning how to live with you. I'm not done. I probably come back and do a part two on this because there's so much more coming to my mind about learning how to live with you. God loves you. You're made in his image. And maybe I pick back up on that next time, more biblically, the need of learning how to live with you. Would you like to hear another part of this? Maybe I will. Part two on this, learning how to live with you. That's powerful. I thank you, my friend. Share this message. It's just my opinion. It doesn't have to be your opinion. It's just my opinion, my interpretation of the scripture, as well as my interpretation of life. And you don't have to agree with me, but just pray for me that if I said something that maybe offended you, I apologize. I'm only trying to teach the best way I can and help somebody else. Now, what might have offended you, maybe bless somebody else. I hope you look at it that way. I might have offended you, but I blessed somebody else. So see it that way that I hope I did that today. Okay, now don't forget, we have one service now at our church at 9 a.m., so don't come over here after 12 o'clock. We will be gone. Mount Carmel, both service, Summer Hill location and Camden Road location is at 9 a.m. We love it. I was scared and wondering whether that going to work, but we don't have a 10.30 service, 9 or 7.45 service. It's one service at 9 a.m., and we are out around 11.15, 11.30, and we love it. My members are loving it. It's working. Now they can go home and go watch the game, go on to the mall, enjoy and some people get mad why we going to church early. People's attention span has changed. And I often say, why people don't like being in church long now? Technology. Everything got us moving. That's just what happened now. Used to go to church and stay all day. And some people go to church and stay all day because they don't have nothing else to do, don't have a life. Look at somebody and say, go get a life. Amen. <laughs> go get a life. And uh, we... Loving it. So we have 9 a.m. service. Now, the third Sunday is just around the corner, which is the 18th of this month. I'm going to have Miracle Morning. I've been talking about it, and it's going to be awesome. Hey, I go into another man. I go in prayer. The Bible teaches that when the anointing came heavy on most of his prophets, they turned into another man. Not the same man. Sometimes it takes me days to get back to myself after a powerful miracle morning. Sometimes I'll be walking around, I can't even communicate, can't even raise my voice because that anointing be so heavy on me with, when the Holy Ghost come on me. So I don't have this maybe once a year. So don't miss miracle morning that third Sunday. Now that's Saturday. From 9 to 2 o'clock, we'll be, well, we'll be here at the church fasting and praying all day to 6. 
some of my members are going to fast the whole day for two days. But I'm asking everybody to fast with me that uh, 17th all day until 6 p.m. Okay, so let's fast and pray. You can drink water, drink water, but no food. We just want you to fast. If you never fast before, read up on how powerful fasting is, okay? It's denying the body of food and feeding on the word of God. Just read the Bible, sing and pray. Now come over to the church and you can sit in the sanctuary. You're going to feel the anointing of God when you come over here that Saturday. There will be communion going on as well. So there commune you. You can come up and eat the bread and drink the wine. Bring your family. Pray with your family. Bring your whole family and just come to the altar. There's going to be a place there in front of the communion table for you to kneel and pray. Pray for God's guardians this year. Our country is disturbed. We're going to be praying for our country, praying for you to get healed, praying for you to receive a spiritual anointing, fresh anointing, praying for financial increase. I pray for people to get blessed. I pray over oil that they bring that salad that they place on the altar. I pray over water. A lot of people got healed over blessed water. And I pray over everything. I even bring pictures of your loved ones and put them on the altar that you are praying for that Saturday. I don't want nothing up there Sunday because when I walk out, I'm ready for God to use me. Don't want you in my way. I mean, it's going to be powerful. My choir going to sing some song, but they know when I roll into praise and worship, God is on me, and that's when miracles take place. I feel there's going to be a powerful anointing the third Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I don't know when God's going to let me turn loose and what time I'll stop, but be ready to receive your blessing. That's Miracle Morning. Now look, we're going to the Holy Land. I still plan to go, and I hope you'll respond. There is no place like Israel. Trust me, I've been there five times. No place in this world like Jerusalem. And if you haven't been, you got to go. You will feel God if you go with me to that place. You will feel God. The Bible will come alive. It's about $3,900 because you're going in August. The busiest time in the summer. It's still going to be hot. And you're going to enjoy yourself. Come go with me. If you can't, husband and wife, go together, send your wife. I got a man paid for his wife as a birthday party. Lord, she's a Christian. He said, Rev, I'm going to pay. It's going to be a gift to her to go to the Holy Land. Boy, I don't know if she knows yet that it's a surprise gift to her, but he's just about paid it out because he wants his wife to go. You might want to send your mother. You might want to send your grandmother. I've had that to happen. Children got together and raised the money. They raised that $4,000 quick. They all gave $500 a piece, and some gave 200 some gave what they could, and they sent their mother to the Holy Land. And I remember she cried all the way there about my children sending me to the Holy Land, and she went there and had a great time. Felt God. You got to go with me. August, 
the 21st of August, and I need you to call me or write me, go online, get your deposit in of $300 now so you start paying on it before it's too late. June would be too late, all right? Getting your income tax check, move on as swiftly if you want to go waiting on your tax because our uh, income tax check back. I want you to hurry up and go. And don't forget to be a partner now and make contribution to our ministry. Without your gift, we can't stay on the air. I come over every Saturday at 1230 on the Word Network. You can watch me on the Word Network and locally at 8 o'clock here on, on our, uh, our local station here in Atlanta. We come on at 8 Saturday night, um, channel 57. And then we come on Sunday morning, every Sunday at 12.30 on the Word Network. So check me out. You can watch me on TV and your contribution help us stay on air. All right? So that's the information on the Holy Land and that's the information on other things. Now, check us out on our website and don't forget to go to our website at that MCBC atl.org mcbcatl.org you'll find all the information and things I'm talking about today and more about our ministry as to how you can contact us our church office is open every day Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. call the church okay now this is Black History Month I'm right in the middle of all of the things that I sing on uh, Facebook, where well, really you go to YouTube or find a lot of my old camp meetings singing, but if you're watching me on Word Network, you're gonna be seeing me singing the old camp meeting songs. I'm not preaching right now. If you like old camp meeting songs, tune in to my broadcast every Saturday at 1230 that night, and I'm gonna be singing the spirituals of old camp meeting. You know I was real big on those old camp meetings. Ben still is big on old camp meeting song, preserving the music that we have lost and losing. So tune in during Black History Month and hear me singing the old camp meeting. I'll be playing them for the next couple of months, okay? Also continue to support us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, as well as watching our broadcast and the, let me give you our 1-800 number here. It's 1-800-682-2765. 1-800-682-2765. That's our 1-800 number if you want to go to the Holy Land or if you want information by the church or information about how to get here and visit us on Sunday morning. As always, friend, it's been a pleasure coming into your home or wherever you may be. Share this message, hit share, and give good comments that's encouraging to us because we're doing it to be a blessing in your life. God bless you. See you next time.